Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Edgy talk, plain talk, unrivaled talk, Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've reached the end of another week, ladies and gentlemen. We are in December, kicked off yesterday. Uh, the skies are a bit gloomy, but don't worry, because uh, as you know, by 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, the blue sky uh, thinking on this show uh, becomes a reality outside as well. The sun starts to shine and everybody has a very nice weekend. It's a bit cold, mind you, so if you are huddling in your home because you can't afford to put the heating on, uh, I'm not going to be stupid enough to advise you to put another jumper on, uh, but we will try and warm the cockles of your heart uh, with our clear thinking uh, and our encouragement for you to have a reasonably good weekend. Now, uh, what I can tell you is The Guardian are obviously listening to this show because they put a front-page story on there uh, from yesterday's show that we did, NHS Union Tube meet to plan joint Christmas strike. Well, I told you that yesterday. Well done, a day out of date, The Guardian. At least they're starting to tell the truth. Excellent stuff. Richard Tice is here. Uh, we're going to be talking about a great many things, including, of course, the ghastly Harry and Meghan and that tremendously bad uh, little leaked um, uh, video that they've put out as a promo uh, for what's coming next week, the 8th of December, which I think is next Thursday. Uh, we're all going to be glued to Netflix, apparently. Well, I'm not, because I'm not going to watch it. I find it absolutely horrendous, ghastly, ridiculous. The idea that these two have put this out at a time uh, to compact, to completely impact uh, what Wills and Kate are doing in America, and also all of the other nonsense has been going on the last couple of days. We'll be getting into that. We'll be talking as well, of course, about the by-election yesterday. Not particularly important, really, uh, but we'll give you a little bit of interesting information on that. Uh, we're going to talk to Palm Sandu as well, coming up a little bit later on, uh, because the police are in the dark stuff once again. Simon Calder joins us, because it is, of course, yet another rail strike day. Uh, there is going to be a strike now from this point on until Christmas. Uh, also, we'll be taking your calls as well, 0344 499 1000. That is the number, of course, uh, to get your views heard. We'll be talking about migrants as well. We'll be talking about China. There's so much to go on. Um, this is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is Talk TV. Let's do it. Somebody's also handed me um, a, a, a collection of things that you can cook instead of turkey if you can't get a turkey. I mean... You have to be pretty stupid not to know what the alternatives are, don't you? <laughs> I mean, you know, chicken, 
Lots of alternatives. I mean, good no, morning. Roast. Good, good morning, morning Richard. Nice uh, to see you. The reality is, of course, that you rather like roast beef on, well, uh, on Christmas Day. And isn't it funny, because ever since I've said that, all I see is adverts for roast beef. <laughs> I mean, people are advertising it now as a thing to have for Christmas. Don't tell me you're leading fashion and people are following well, you your know, fine fashion ideas. Is that the reality? It would be the first time. Also, <laughs> since you're here, and I remember saying this to you last night uh, before your fine show uh, on Talk TV last night in for Piers Morgan, um, I predicted the England result. Well. Incredibly. People so, looked at me when I said it's going to be 3-0 last week um so, so so here's the thing yeah that actually i wonder whether we now need to rename your show mike because yeah. you have actually predicted the right result yes. for that england wales yeah. game it was a great result for mm, england so tremendous. maybe maybe we now need to brand you the sporting republic yes. of mike graham well i listen. mean that could be quite something look there it is yeah it's on the banner the if you're watching republic. <laughs> the i mean as, republic. As, as you've often said I, I i get things right most of the time yeah, well it is nice occasionally to see you get things right and i'm yeah. happy to share that joy with you <laughs> i mean you know i've only got things wrong because they haven't happened yet and that's kind of my excuse well it's a bit more than that as we well know but i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let you uh, enjoy this uh, this great moment but of course i'm gonna challenge you now and say mm. So how are you going to score and fare against uh, Senegal well, you know, I on Sunday night? I, I, I've only seen Senegal play like briefly, but they're quite good, yes. it seems to me. Um, and my problem with England is, is that it depends which team turns up. Is it the team from the first half <laughs> of the last game or the team from the second half? Exactly. I mean, Gareth Southgate seems a bit confused. Did he, did he not switch Foden um, and, um, and, was it Sterling? Um, yeah. from one side of the pitch to the other. And maybe the truth is that he's confused. Which Southgate is going to turn up? Yeah. Is it the first half Southgate right. or the second half I Southgate? So, I mean, but, I think but I need a prediction out of you. OK, well, I'm going to say 2-1 England. OK. So you can mark that down. Mark that down, everyone. For Sunday night. Remember that. But, we'll... I mean, we should also spare some thoughts, should we not, for the poor Germans who appear, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid, are no longer joining the competition. Well, I mean, that is uh, that is quite something, isn't it? For yeah. the second time, mm. the second successive yes, tournament... because they got knocked they, out by South Korea, didn't they? They did, absolutely. Time? But here, uh, it was obviously a, what looks like a very controversial video decision... Mm. And uh, the the goal was allowed to stand, and that was the end of the the German attempt to lift the World Cup. Yes, I did get a tweet. Thanks for um, coming yesterday from Ben Clapworthy, who said, uh, "By the way, uh, the good news is is that all the sun loungers will be free uh, in Doha <laughs> tomorrow, uh, which would be this morning. So if you are in Doha, you'll be able to get by the swimming pool uh, without absolutely any no question the at all. Are all heading home. But I mean, this is the funny thing about the World Cup. At least now we seem to be talking about the football rather than all the other stuff. Yes, no, that's right. And actually, I covered on uh, doing the. Piers Morgan show with Isabel last night. We also covered the extraordinary influence of uh, the Qatari investments yes. here in the UK. Mm. For example, the Qataris, they own the Shard. Yeah. They were responsible for building it. They own billions and billions and billions of buildings and investments, huge fashion brands, stakes in companies like Sainsbury's mm. and other big companies. So, I mean, they are a major, major investor into the UK. They also actually own, for example... Uh, one of the major um, LNG gas terminals yes. in South Wales. Right. So we have extraordinary commercial links, and the truth is that we buy a lot of gas from them. Yeah, surprising in a way that they don't own a football team here. Think ah, well, apparently that may be, well, it may may be up change. for change because yeah. they're rumoured to be one of the potential acquirers of Manchester United, which is up for grabs. They might be looking at Liverpool. I wonder so, what Gary Lineker would say about that. Well, there we are. I mean, you know, he won't be able to do much today. He'll have to boycott his own show. You know, <laughs> he'll have to work out which job he's going to do because, <laughs> as we discovered, I mean, it seems that he was paid a lot of money to do a second job whilst he was paid a lot of money to do 
a job for the BBC. I yeah. don't quite know how that works. Well, he manages to get work from about three or four different people. I mean, good luck to him. Um, but uh, it, it's not about how much... I don't care how much money he's got or how much work he does. I just wish he'd be a bit more honest about his hypocrisy. Well, that's right. And for, for, given that actually it's us, the taxpayer, that's paying him well over a million pounds yeah. to do a job at the BBC, mm. how, does he need, how can he earn more money elsewhere? I mean... Mm. I think well, something I, doesn't I compute. Like, I'm not sure that's a, a good use of taxpayers' like cash. Like many people at the BBC, they're, they're, whoever's doing the contracts obviously doesn't know what they're doing. But you wouldn't be allowed to go and work for someone else no. for vast sums of money because no. you're a full-time contract here. Yeah, well, exactly. That would be the point. You know, I mean, I'm allowed to do other work, but, but not to do the same job effectively at another broadcaster. Extraordinary. You know, very, very weird indeed. Let's talk about the, uh, the, the by-election. So we, yes. Um, not a particularly surprising result that Labour have increased their share of the vote. Yeah, it was... Um, that's right. Very low turnout. Very low turnout. Most people didn't realise this by-election is on. The truth is, there are by-elections all over the place. Mm. There's another one next week. There's going to be two or three in the early part of next year. And this was always... <clears throat> it was a Labour seat anyway. And what's happening is that people tactically vote to give the incumbent government an absolute pasting. Yeah. That's what they've done here. So w- we weren't surprised that... Uh, we had a pretty modest result, just less than 3%. Yeah. But, you know, we've you're learned... you're polling very high at the we're polling, We had a record poll from YouGov yeah. yesterday at 9% nationally. Yes. But this was not one of our target yeah. areas at all. And it's really hard in by-elections for small parties mm. because what happens is voters, they want to tactically vote to send a message against the incumbent mm. government, against the Tories. And so everybody piles into the other... You've seen that with the likes of the Lib Dems in mm. Shropshire and Chester and Amersham. And you've seen it last night. Yeah. So, and as I say, there's another by-election next week. I think it'll be pretty similar. And uh, look, the reality is, uh, this is this is the dying days of a, a conservative yeah. government. We don't know how many, how long we've probably got two years left, but uh, it's um it, it is what it is. It is what it is. And I mean, I suppose you might draw a conclusion from the fact that it was a forty percent turnout, which is pretty low even for a by-election in the winter. And maybe people just turned off politics to such an extent that they're sick of it. They're sick of the Tories. They're sick of politics in general. I mean, we're going to talk later on in the show about Chris Whitty coming out yesterday with the audacity to say, oh, well, now there's some excess deaths as a result of the lockdown. Ah, oh, really? Really? Yes, really? Well, well exactly. very much indeed. <laughs> I mean, it is unbelievable that finally they're admitting uh, there, is a, there is a major crisis mm. with excess deaths. And there's clearly a range of reasons, but no one's really talking about it, mm. examining what those reasons are uh, across the whole spectrum. And, and, of course, these excess deaths seem to be across the full range mm. or the full age range. Yeah. My real concern is that at the upper end, the elder uh, age range, that is actually caused because people are dying literally mm. of cold because yeah. they're terrified of putting the heating mm. on even though it's not actually a cold winter. Not yet. <clears throat> not I mean, yet, it was but it's about this to morning. I mean, and I imagine there are other parts of the country that are colder than here. It's For five sure. degrees when I got in the car this morning. It's so, cold. So, so genuinely, actually, the cost of heating caused by some of what I believe is the, the madness of the net zero mm. policies is actually leading people to being terrified about their heating bills, being colder, and tragically, I fear, that's leading to... Uh, excess deaths, and that's what the numbers are showing. Yeah, and the audacity uh, I mentioned is because Chris Whitty was the man who told us that lockdown was necessary to save lives. Well, if he's now saying it's cost lives, uh, is he going to make some kind of statement about why that was wrong? It's funny, isn't it, that all of a sudden you can't see any of them. They've all run for the hills. Where's the health secretary? Who yeah. is the health secretary? Yes. And Do you know, I can't even remember who the health secretary is anymore. I think it's Steve Barkley, but there have been so many this yeah. year, and he's such an anonymous person anyway. But, uh, you know, where is he? Why aren't they doing weekly press conferences mm. 
about the excess test is running at give or take 500 mm. a week yeah. over the last uh, 20 to 25 weeks and when compared we to the five-year average pre-COVID. Yeah, but also during COVID, if it was down to, if it was 500 a week, they'd have been reporting it, wouldn't they? Almost every day. You know? So you sort of wonder, well, I mean, do these deaths not matter? They mm. absolutely matter. They're across the whole spectrum of aid ranges. And I think it's incumbent on... Uh, our medical leaders and the government to explain what on earth is mm. going on. Yeah. Now, we're going to take a little break in a moment. I'm going to ask you about what's happening with the Suella Braverman Department uh, of State because uh, seemingly nothing much is happening. Uh, she came out with this idea that the French are now going to get more money, they're going to patrol more beaches. Uh, we've had more migrants arriving every single day. I think we had as many as 900 the other day uh, coming into Dover. Nothing much seems to have changed. Well, actually, what, what's happening is it's, it seems to be pretty clear. The more money we send to the French... The deal is, mm. then the more illegal immigrants they send to us. That seems to be the deal. Yeah. Because a couple of years ago, we were sending them nothing, and not many people were coming yeah. across. Now we're sending them 70 million yeah. plus, or whatever the number is, and they're sending us 40,000, so 40, mm. I think 44,000 yeah. uh, so far this year, and counting. Yes. Well, what I found interesting as well was a, was a figure that somebody uh, quoted, and it was a lawyer, actually, uh, who wouldn't normally be somebody that, that would be against, um, um, you know, or, or for stopping people coming, but saying that basically 10 years ago, we were deporting 30,000 people a year, and now we're deporting a couple of hundred. A couple of hundred. I mean, it's, it's really low. The, the, the truth is, her department is... Uh, it's the Department of Chaos. Mm. It's not the Department of Home Office. And as I've said before, what we need to do is accept, look, it's broken, mm. their department. You've actually got to set up a whole new Department mm. of Immigration staffed by different people, new people, people who believe in the cause. And mm. the cause is, and it's the fundamental role of government, that actually you have to protect and secure your borders. You have to know who's mm. coming into the country and you have to know who is going out of the country. Right. And that's what uh, most other sensible countries, that's what, for example, happens in the US. They mm. have a very... Uh, robust immigration department. Although they've got two million illegal uh, migrants coming in from Mexico. That's right, with a, with a massive border, which mm. of course is why Trump wanted to do it. But look at Australia. They mm. have a very robust department of immigration. Mm. And uh, in a sense, they've dealt with it successfully yeah. in Australia. And that's why I think we should... We should emulate and copy their very successful policy. Yeah, absolutely right. Richard Tice is here. Uh, I'm Mike Graham. This is the Independent Republic on Talk TV. We've got more coming up. We've got to talk still about what's going on in China. Uh, we've also got to talk about what's going on in the police in this country. This is Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The dreaded Harry and Meghan make their return to the public eye as if they've never been missing. Well, I've got to show you, though, uh, my favourite front page of the day, and this is the Daily Star, uh, in which it says, publicity-shy couples share most intimate secrets with 8 billion people, which is pretty much about <laughs> right, really. Uh, Richard Tice is here. I mean, it's dreadful, isn't it? I mean, we've all seen, we're going to play it later on in the show, uh, the, the trailer. You played it out on your show last night. It's just sick-making, isn't it? It really is. I am not going to watch any of this documentary. Mm. I mean, as the Star said, and it's not often we agree with the Daily Star, but they went to America for privacy. Mm. And the truth is that they've gone there to earn a whole bundle of cash, and mm. that's absolutely fine. But in so doing, they are going to further damage the reputation well, I wonder, of though, the if royal it's, family. Well, it's more serious than that, because it's almost as though, it seems to me, they've, they've sort of launched themselves in some kind of revenge attack on the royal family. And whether Harry knows that or not, I don't know, because he's not very bright. But she's definitely got something about her which she doesn't like that they did to her, and that therefore she's never going to stop 
until she's actually ruined the royal family. And we all pray to God that that's not the case, but it could well be. And if it is, what you're seeing is essentially she's giving licence, potentially to other people, mm. to pile in on, on the back of her, yeah. uh, in a sense, leading the way on this. And... I, I just think the whole thing, and then we've got the book coming out. Well, I'm you can see how the when. narrative is being driven this week, can't you, by the whole incident at Buckingham Palace, which I'm not going to bother going into because we did it yesterday. But, you know, she'll go, when she goes to collect her award for fighting institutional racism in, Buckingham, in, in the royal family, she'll go, well, so that's what I was talking about. Yes. That's, that's, that's it right there. And, and so, you know, she's going to play off that. And I just think it's fundamentally wrong. And I think people in the UK, we're patriotic. The vast, vast majority of people are hugely pro the monarchy, mm. and she is on a she is on a a trip to damage the yes. monarchy. And he is uh, knowingly or unknowingly, unwittingly, just playing along with yeah. it. And it's look, the, the royal family is one of our greatest yeah. assets. It's one of our our greatest institutions. It's I think so many people around the world they admire so much about the royal family, and you've got this couple literally trying. To tear it down, yeah. From the and ramparts. you've got Harry saying in in the in the clip, "I had to do something to protect my family." Well, you're not protecting your family by attacking your family, <laughs> exactly. And he doesn't seem to know that that's what he's doing. You know, yes, it's all very well because you're a father suddenly to look after your children, but you've also got your family that you came from, and it's one of, exactly. And it's one of the most it's the most well known family in the world. Yeah, that's the reality with uh, the greatest uh, the greatest history and the greatest monarch that we recently sadly lost mm. and he is just constantly wanting to trash it and to trash his own father mm. I mean, the whole thing is just extraordinary so no, I'm not going to be watching it that is for sure and uh, everyone else will make up their own mind. Yeah. But I'm, I'm done with them, I'm done with it. Yeah, absolutely right. We mentioned The Guardian at the top of the show, saying uh, uh, they'd obviously been listening to my show. They've also been listening to yours as well, because I think yesterday uh, they had a splash about uh, uh, how much foreign ownership there was in the water business in this country, which you've been banging on about for months. I've been banging on for months and months and months, yeah. and I'm doing some more research at the moment about the ownership of all our utilities, and indeed all of our wind farms. Mm. And <clears throat> we've not yet concluded all. But the results are truly shocking. Mm. I mean, literally, uh, the, some of the great chunks of utilities of the United Kingdom have been sold off. Yeah. Sold off to people all and sundry, all over the world. And, oh, surprise, surprise, our bills have gone up yeah. much more than the rate of inflation. Funny that. Funny that, isn't yeah. it? Have you seen that story from Thurrock Council as well? I <laughs> mentioned it briefly. 500 million quid has gone south <laughs> and disappeared. All that would appear, and I don't know the ins and outs of it absolutely, so I'll be careful how I, how I put this, but 500 million quid seems to have been invested in some kind of solar panel company uh, and other various solar panel Various solar supplies. farms and things. Yeah, <laughs> it and is, it's all disappeared. It is very murky, and uh, you, you do wonder how... How a council can invest so much, mm. it, it, it's, as I say, this, this company appears to have gone into administration, but there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of uh, council taxpayers' mm. money at stake, and, and it may end up that if that money genuinely has all been lost, mm. they may have to be bailed out by the government. Yeah. I don't know if they've got that sort of cash. Mm. But hang on, we're all being told that renewable energy, yeah. wind farms and solar farms on productive agricultural land, which is completely mad, yeah. that that's the cheapest way forward. Well, 
how can that compute mm. with losing half a billion but quid of taxpayers' cash? I heard you had Peter Tatchell on last night, I think, didn't you? And I heard him talking about, like, uh, wave power and all of this. There's so much rubbish talked about this stuff, you know, where they say, for example, oh, well, Scotland can make five times the amount of uh, energy it, it, it needs from, from wind energy. And you go, yeah, but they can't store it. So exactly. It doesn't so doesn't mean anything. So, so actually, I, I'm, I'm really interested in, in looking at tidal power, I think, because that's completely predictable for the next 100 years. Mm. And other nations do it. So we should be looking at a diverse range. We're an island, for heaven's mm. sake. So we should be looking at using that. The government completely wrongly has decided not to. Mm. Um, but, um, yes, uh, this stuff is... Uh, the wind farms are costing us a fortune. And if you put all the wind farms up in Scotland, where there isn't the demand, right. there's a huge extra cost in building the cables and the transmission right. networks in order to transmit the electricity down to where the people mm. are, which is down... Uh, in in the cities of the UK, yeah, of yeah. England. This doesn't really work. Another one up your uh, street, Chinese super embassy blocked in London. <laughs> I mean, thank goodness for that. I didn't know they were planning to build a super embassy, but I'm quite glad they're not now. Absolutely. Well, I wonder whose idea that was. Maybe it was sort of George Osborne and David Cameron oh, with their maybe, project Cowtown. Yeah, or maybe Jeremy Hunt. <laughs> or maybe you know. Jeremy Hunt. I mean, what's going on? And, and it's extraordinary, isn't it, that uh, Sunak, who during his leadership campaign, he's he actually he wrote that... Uh, that the Chinese communist regime was a national security threat, mm. potentially our greatest national security threat. And now he's adopted a, a rather different tone and saying uh, they're a challenge. Uh, well, there's no question they are a, a very significant challenge. Yes. And... Uh, potentially a threat. So, no, we don't want a super embassy, thank you. But it's all very well Rishi Sunak saying, you know, the special relationship is over, whatever it is that he thought the special relationship was. But what does he actually mean by that? You know, he's turning into this kind of puppet, this machine that issues statements that mean nothing. I think that's, that's the reality. Is is he He's not much different, actually, to Boris, in no. that a statement comes out, either in writing or out of his mouth, mm. and you don't know whether that to believe it or not, yeah. because suddenly... I'd uh, say probably not. Well, on end, balance. Very quickly, he's going to be pushed one way by his MPs, yeah. or he's going to reverse it. Yeah. I mean, let's remember, during his leadership campaign, he said he was pro-fracking yeah. with local support. Right. The first thing he did announce in the House of Commons was to say, no, we're mm. not going to do fracking. Right. How can you trust someone that is so such a blatant... Uh, teller of mistruths and untruths as that. As my favourite one. My favourite one was when he came out on Prime Minister's questions and said, "We've saved the economy." And you go, "Sorry, who was Chancellor? Sorry, since the beginning I'm of twenty twenty. Doesn't look like the economy is doing all that well, to be honest." Uh, it's just, I mean, how on earth he thinks that we are so stupid that we don't recognise that is utterly, yeah. utterly beyond me. Uh, the economy is in a shocking state, yeah. and. The fact is, people are terrified about the food bills, terrified about the heating bills, mm. all of which has happened on his watch because of the vast cost that he authorised mm. as Chancellor of the Exchequer throughout the lockdown process. And he didn't have the courage then to stand up and say, stop, mm. we can't afford this. Yeah. We need to get people well, you know back to happened? work. You remember the days of Dominic Cummings, um, all those dark years ago, uh, when he used to talk about the blob and getting rid of the civil service because they sort of didn't do anything. The government has now turned into the civil service, it seems to me. Somebody comes in every morning, they've got a big in-tray there, they pick it all up and they put it in the out-tray and then they go home. And that's it. That's all they do. <laughs> I think they've actually reversed in that normally, historically what happens is that the Prime Minister and Ministers uh, tell the civil servants what to do. Yeah. I think it's completely yeah. reversed now. Oh, I think definitely. the Ministers come in to be told what to do by the civil servants who don't like the manifesto yeah. that this government was elected. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's it. No that's Minister. Wh- that's where we are. Um, Richard Tice coming up on Sunday at 10. Look out for the Sunday sermon. It's always worth listening to and watching right here on Talk TV. We'll be back with Angela Levin and more on the Harry and Meghan saga.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, Maisie says this, I'm renaming you Mystic Mike after your England prediction. How about a real prediction and give me the lottery numbers for Saturday. I'll split my winnings with you. You know, people do say stuff like that um, and then they get caught out if they win. I'm not going to predict the lottery numbers because that would be um, ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because imagine if I did predict the lottery numbers and then didn't buy a ticket. And how would I feel if you then said, no, I'm not giving you half, actually. It was just a joke. Only kidding. Um, now, as much as it pains me to say this, um, we are going to have to talk about Harry and Meghan, I'm afraid, uh, because they are unfortunately not going away. And rather than going to seek a life of privacy out of the public eye, which is what they said they wanted to do, they have once again uh, decided instead to torture everybody in the royal family uh, by making their story the most important thing in the world. It's obviously the most important thing in their world, but let's have a look at the Netflix trailer for Harry and Meghan. Why did you want to make this documentary? No one sees what's happening behind closed doors. I had to do everything I could to protect my family. When the stakes are this high, doesn't it make more sense to hear our story from us? No, actually. I'd rather didn't hear your story at all from anyone. When the stakes are this high, what stakes? I've seen her advertising for hamburger steaks, which is a rather lascivious little video that she made a few years ago when she wasn't quite so serious. Let's talk to Angela Levin, our favourite royal biographer, uh, because this really is, um, I don't know, peak narcissism, Angela, isn't it? Good morning. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Good morning. When you think they can't go any further, and uh, Oprah Winfrey is the furthest they've gone, they've mm. now come up with this fairy tale for dopes um, and believe that nobody can see through it. Yes. I'm afraid they've got it wrong. The timing, we can all see through um, their relationship, we, it, it, it's not making any statement. Anyone can have someone come along and take pictures. Mm. There's nothing like that. We see Harry looking very miserable and we see her um, dismissing him in public. Mm. You know, oh, Harry, you know, and then roaring with laughter at him. I mean, that's what is telling about a relationship. I'm not saying they're not in love, but that's their business, isn't it? Right. I don't want to invade that sort of privacy. Not one bit. No, I mean, somebody said this morning on Jeremy's show, uh, anyone could make a documentary. You just have somebody follow you around for a while. But nobody would be that narcissistic to think that anybody would be bothered about watching it. You know, the idea that they're in some terrible place as a result of some terrible um, wrongdoing that they suffered, where they're living in a 16-room bedroom mansion... Um, and they're living in uh, absolute and utter luxury, making hundreds of millions of dollars off the fact that he's a member of the royal family, but they're blaming the royal family for their terrible state that they're in. You just go, man, there are people being killed in, in wars around the world. There are people dying of hunger. There are people who can't afford to heat their own homes. I mean, do you really think that people think that you've got a bad life going on? You see, they think that they've got a bad life. So they're therefore, because they're so focused on themselves, they think everyone else thinks the same of them. But I mean, I couldn't understand how the stakes were so high. What stakes are yeah, they? Yeah, what is she talking about? 
Oh, well, it's a nonsense comment. Often there's something like this you can't actually understand. Mm. But the interesting thing is, you know, if you don't hate, if you hate someone, if you really don't like it, you don't want to work with them, go away. Mm. Your own life, don't yeah. have anything to do with them. But it's not, there's some sort of something that's eating inside, particularly Megan, I feel, um, that's got to take revenge, that's got to win, that's got to mm. destroy. Yes, um, and partly because they know that it's very difficult for the royal family to counteract what they're saying. So I think we do, who feel that it's totally unfair and unkind and spiteful even, and then they send out, well, I don't know if they send out actually, but they have Megan followers mm. who then go around um, being incredibly unpleasant to any journalist who criticises mm. No, I've course. been told to kill myself several times mm. in the last couple of weeks. Oh, they're dreadful. I mean, I, I just block them on, on, on immediate... As soon as I see them, I just block them now. But there's, they, there's, that, there's millions of them, you know. There's loads of them, and that's how they sort of... That's the only way, actually. They can say they hate the press, but actually it's the press they thrive on. Mm. But it's also the press that helps the royals or should really well should do and and criticizes them mm. which they absolutely don't like and have to attack again mm. you know um but isn't it the case that a while ago um that she issued some kind of statement which was sort of distancing herself from this netflix documentary in which she said um you know they've done some things which we wouldn't have had them do but now in the, but now in the trailer she's saying oh, don't you want the story told by us well which one is a, which one of those things is true well, what she meant by that, I think, is that she took the director because he has a very high rating and he's, you know, very good. Um, but she, he hasn't let her have every say, or, or Harry either, every say in how it's mm. um, shown and what is said and what's in and what's out, which is what they do when they pay you millions. I wouldn't have experienced mm. it. That's what I yes. believe. Didn't too. also didn't the director change as well? Wasn't the one director didn't one director leave? Yes, they, they didn't like it. Yes, well, I think they're, they're renowned for being difficult to work with. Mm. Um, but you know, it, it's a Megan's out um, protest that she can say, "Well, that was nothing to do with me. I didn't want that bit in," as if she's sort of angelic about the whole thing. So if we hear or see things that are quite critical or show them in and not such a bright light, um, she can opt out because nobody is allowed to criticise Meghan or show um, a darker side, the alternative side of her. Um, I mean, it just is too terrible for words, isn't it? And to do it when um, William and Catherine are do doing something that they claim is so important, you know, the environment, looking after it, um, they still go in their private jets, which gobble up all sorts of things. And they've come here to give Earthshot prize awards with people who are not wealthy, mm. who've come up with a very good idea to help them, a million pounds to help them on their way to save the world, if you believe that the world needs saving. They do very strongly, and yet they still want to wipe them out and put their own... Um, show on first, which looks as if it's incredibly superficial. Yes. And also, Harry's statement in that trailer, I had to do all I could to, 
to help my family or to protect my family. Well, his family is also the royal family, unless his, his mission on this particular project is to basically denounce all of them and say that he's no longer part of it. Well, I don't know why they don't, actually. I mean, they're hanging on to their... Well, I do, really, because they're hanging on to their titles because that's what gives them the jobs and mm. the work and the money. But it's Prince Harry's title. Meghan has got it through marriage. Um, but if, if, if they don't want it, they should just um, have their own lives. They don't seem to enjoy their own lives. They're set uh, on a negative path to bring down the monarchy. Yes. I've got a tweet here from somebody uh, calling themselves The Power. I'm waiting for season two when Meghan convinces Harry he's gay and a trans woman. It worked for the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> we well, should perhaps yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, there's nothing I can say about that. <laughs> but, um, but they are like, they're becoming the Kardashians, aren't they? I mean, that's what the Daily Mail's more or less saying today. I've never seen the Kardashians. They don't interest me at all. What I look at is the way they behave and how they treat other people and and the hypocrisy that they live with. Um, I've rarely come across such um, active uh, hypocrites. Um, you can't really trust them no. with anything they say. I mean, every single thing that they have said, they have sort of reversed on, haven't they? Almost every single um, assertion, almost every fact that they've uttered, almost everything that they've said was the reason for doing something, turns out not to be. Yeah, well, his example, fine example is the fact that they said, we just want to get this about the royals and then we're moving on. Mm. We've had the same thing since they left in 2020. So each time it's, um, you think it's about time they sort of thought of a really good project, but mm. it's the documentaries about them. When they do any charitable work, they have a lot of photographers and it's that's about them. Um, it's all about them within the royal family. No one says it's easy. And if she didn't like it, the Queen did say at the beginning, carry on acting. Yeah. And she didn't want to. Um, she wanted to throw herself into all the work. But because it was, she wasn't service. in control, because she wasn't in control, she didn't like to do that. No. And um, well, go away. Yeah. But it's endless. I don't know how much more we can take of the same old rhetoric. I know. You know, so I know. It's just dreadful. With massive exaggeration. I know. I'm already sick of talking about it, but sadly, we will have to continue at another time. Angela, thank you very much indeed. Angela Levin, Royal Biographer, comes out on December the 8th on Netflix. Oh, I can barely, I can barely even think of watching it. It's just ghastly. It's awful, isn't it? I know people are going to me, well, if you think it's so awful, why are you talking about it? Because it's important. Because what they're doing is they're trying to destroy the royal family. Do you not see that? This is Talk TV. Fast Talk, Street Talk, Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. As you will be seeing uh, throughout the day, Plank of the Week coming up tonight at 7pm. Don't miss it. Uh, there is football on, but uh, of course you can always put the football uh, off to one side and watch Planks uh, because it's really good to watch it live and good to watch it when it is first hitting the airwaves. 7pm tonight and every night, of course, starring Jeremy Kyle, uh, Baroness Claire Fox, Andre Walker and Esther Kraku. Uh, it's a great panel. Very, very well worth watching. Uh, we're going to be doing the strike of the day for you very shortly. We're going to be opening up our advent 
event calendar to see who it is that's on strike today. Yesterday, uh, it was communication workers at the post office. Uh, today, it may be something to do with transport. How about this from Deborah in Bristol? Megan's dream was to become a Hollywood princess. She was and is a second-rate actress trying to play that role and showing how pathetic she is at it. She is like the wicked queen in Snow White and the magic mirror is soon going to tell her she will never be welcomed back in the UK after the fickle Hollywood crowd get fed up with her poor performances and dump her. The USA is welcome to her. Uh, coming up in this hour, we're also going to be talking to Palm Sandu. Uh, and Mick says this, Mike, can you please ask Palm why senior police officers and supervisors are never seemingly held to account for the bad behaviour of subordinates? Uh, and Lee in Sheffield talking about the by-election that was held last night. Uh, he says, good morning. I think there's a big difference between winning and holding a safe seat. And as far as getting in power, how can you back a potential leader when he doesn't seem to know the difference between transgender and transvestite as regards Eddie Izzard. Uh, and Chris says, Morning, Mike. This Harry and Meghan documentary that have more inaccuracies in it than The Crown. I think that's probably right. Absolutely true. Now, uh, before we talk to Mr Simon Calder, who is the travel editor, of course, at The Independent, travel guru to the stars, let us have a look at the advent calendar um, because it is a winter of discontent. It is, of course, a December filled with strikes. Time to open the second door. Look, it's a train, and it looks as though today's uh, strike is actually not just any old train, uh, but it's a train service which is being stopped by Unite, not the RMT this time. Uh, it's not a nationwide strike, it's a regional strike. Friday, December the 2nd, Unite strike impacting East Midlands Railways. So if you're trying to get anywhere on East Midlands Railways, bad luck today. Uh, we'll bring you more, of course, on Monday, uh, by which time it will be, what, day five, will it? Yeah, three, four, five. Yes, it will be day five. I can work that out. Uh, let's talk to Simon Calder, the man that knows exactly where everything goes. Simon, very good morning to you. Uh, Mike, yes, and you're quite right, of course, that uh, East Midlands Railway on strike. This is members of the Unite Union. Now, they're a bit of a niche union. Most of the disruption that we see, as you know, is caused by the RMT mm. union. Their boss, Mick Lynch, is going to see Hugh Merriman, the rail minister, today. And so important is this meeting that um, nobody will actually tell me what time right. they are meeting. I might go and hang around the uh, Department of well, Transport. Well, it's almost certain to be which... delayed. It was only to do with the trains, isn't it? <laughs> Um, anyway, and of course, Aslef, um, Mick Whelan there, who uh, is also, he runs the train drivers, bit of the uh, rail union. So yes, to see some quite substantial disruption, it's affecting services from Sheffield, Derby, Nottingham, Leicester to London, a number of regional services. You can't get to Lincoln for the Christmas market today or tomorrow on East Midlands Railway. So that's just, but it's really just an overture. The, the main course of the uh, strikes is going to be from the 13th to the 17th that's a tuesday to a saturday it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync Things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Of December, they've got a sort of day off in the middle on the, the Thursday, but frankly, everything's going to be so messed around mm. that you probably just get strike timetables anyway. And then if you were thinking of fleeing the country to get away from all this um, uh, misery and mayhem, well, Eurostar have got um, themselves some strikes on the 16th, the 18th, the 22nd and the 23rd. So you can just about fill yeah. up an entire advent calendar just with them um, rail strikes. Yes, exactly right. Well, maybe I have to get special different pictures of trains so they don't all look the same. Um, so what is it, what is it with um, the rail union leaders being called Mick? By the way, do they all have to be called Mick? Is that one of the rules? Uh, no, I mean that both Mick and Mick Lynch and Whelan are both from um, uh, I think Paddington in London. Yes, um, and um, they they were actually brought up very close together. Yes, and, uh, interesting. Uh, th- yeah, there we are. But um, uh, they are, uh, uh, let me say, first of all, extremely committed to the rail industry. Um, and secondly, extremely committed to getting the best deal they possibly can for their members. Yes, well, indeed, as, as, as indeed they should. But as far as the whole kind of um, picture is concerned in terms of travel around the country, we've spoken many times, Simon, that the whole rail industry in Britain um, is kind of on its knees. We hear that about the NHS all the time. But Avanti, still a nightmare. I mean, I was listening to a Tory MP the other day talking about trying to get down to London from Southport, which is where his constituency is, and I think it was Jake Berry. And he just said, it's just like a lottery. You know, you go and get a train and about three out of the four trains are cancelled. Um, if you do manage to get on a train, it's usually overcrowded because so many other trains have been cancelled. I mean, who at some point or other is going to fix all of this? Well, um, just imagine. I mean, let's suppose we had something, I don't know, we could call it a government. And it could no, have we haven't a department got one of those, for I'm transport. afraid. No. Um, and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, a party which has been in power for 12 years. They might they might have a, a, a thought or two about how to fix it. No, it's, it's a mess. Um, but it's ultimately the, a lot of the problems on the Vanty West Coast are, well, yeah, years, decades of disorganisation. Mm. The fact that um, they couldn't run a full service without, um, I think, 250 of their drivers every day doing overtime now mm. they get well rewarded for that and that's um that's terrific uh, um but of course if they then say actually don't really fancy working my day off thanks nothing you can do about it and the trains just disappear so that's well bleak. well especially when all of them do that i mean and we know that much of that was orchestrated wasn't it where there was an overtime ban or at least everybody just said without actually making it official nobody's going to work on a sunday that way you can't run any trains yeah there's various disputes of course this goes back two transport secretaries so the one we've got now is the third one in three months um mark harper we had Anne-Marie trevelyan who said oh there's a deal to be done i mean this is why i say we haven't got a government i mean if you said to me could you name who the transport secretary is i barely just remembered who the national uh health service um, man was the secretary of state for health you know it's very difficult to keep up 
Well, yeah, and uh, so, but you'll remember Grant Shapps because you and I have talked about him at great yes. length. He was the transport secretary all the way through the COVID um, mm. pandemic, and he was the one who would pop up and suddenly say, "You can't go to Portugal yes, right. without uh, quarantining for two weeks when you come back," and that was quite exciting. Anyway, he was really angry, and he he said that this was Labour's strike. Um, and that um, he, he, he very uh, confrontational. The two transport secretaries since then have been more relaxed. And look, I am still better than 50% convinced that this is going to be called off. Mm. Uh, we've got this meeting today. Hugh Merriman, former chair of the Transport Select Committee, rail minister now, he's a sensible human being. Um, uh, so some might say a bit of a rarity mm. in the government. Um, he knows all the sides in the uh, in the dispute. He knows what the arguments are. And ultimately, the way this is going to be settled is by having a pay rise, which looks like four or five percent um, each year for a couple of years. But actually, it's going to be worth a lot more than that because they're going to build in lots of bits and pieces which um, won't go into the headline figure because at number 11 and number 10, they're terrified of having a kind of you know nine mm. percent increase for them. Uh, and that's that's how they're going to do it. And if you happen to be the partner of or indeed a dependent child of a rail worker, then you're quids in. You're going to get 75% discount off everything. Yeah, I, but it's all very well, all of this, you know, let's make uh, people have more money. But the problem is the service doesn't improve. And, and the reason why most people are fed up with the whole situation with trains is that they don't mind paying money to go places, but it's quite expensive. And generally speaking, uh, it's more of like entering a lottery if you book a train ticket now. Some people tell me you can't, in some on some services, you can't even book a train ticket because they won't actually go as far as to tell you they guarantee the train is running. So, I mean, I think that if they, if they do reach a settlement, because nobody wants to see strikes, I get that, but they have to guarantee then that the service will improve. And I don't see how they can do that. Well, I think it will happen quite uh, naturally, organically, is I think what they would say, mm. um, which is that at the moment, one reason things are just so awful is that there is an extremely toxic uh, industrial relations culture. So, uh, the, you know, previously, if a manager had said, oh, could you do this or that, then uh, the worker probably would have said, yeah, OK. But now they say, no, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm not going to. So you're actually saying that it. it is the union's fault that the trains aren't running properly then? No, I'm saying that. Um, uh, that well, you you've are. Got lots of very. <laughs> you are. You've just okay, said they're not right. cooperating. Oh, oh no! So, 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 so the right. Any industry requires a degree of. Sorry. Thank you. You can play a little beeping noise if you want to in the background. Um, um, yeah, I will. Go okay. On. So, any industry, as you know, Mike, um, relies on cooperation. Yes. And. There's a spectrum of cooperation from, yes, we'll do everything we possibly can to help you, nice manager, and our lovely customers, to, well, I don't have to do that. It's not in my contract. I'm not going to. Um, thank you. And uh, the, at the moment, we're very much down the end of, um, uh, well, the, the, I almost used a rude word there about um, <laughs> you know, people refusing to do things. Yes. Um, and, and, yeah, so normally things involved. are in the middle. So, so uh, it's a... It, 
it's a messy messy yes. old business i talk to railway people the whole time i know you do as well and they just tell me they are absolutely fed up and mm. they want some money they you know, in many cases haven't had a pay rise for three years yeah. partly because the negotiations have been dragging on since the dawn of time um and they just want to uh, get get some settlement and i think that will improve yeah but i tell you what i'm really worried if this strike does go ahead and all the other bits and pieces that are coming down the track we've got um, problems at C2C, which go from London to South Essex. Mm. Um, everybody is, you know, poor old Avanti West Coast, they are absolutely in the firing line. Um, if things don't get better, we're then going to go into um, 10 days of engineering works over Christmas yes. and New yes, I've Year. Heard that network rail advert absolutely drives me insane. Yeah. Um, they, they couldn't advertise on a better station, Mike. Yeah, um, I know. Well, and, at least and, we've got a station that's open. You know, the point is, anyway, right, the point is this. I mean, my son has to take a train to go to work now at Southeastern, right? The number of times that his train is cancelled in a week, say he takes four trains, eight trains a week there and back, about four or five of them are cancelled on a regular that, basis for no apparent reason. That's very annoying. Well, I can guarantee that anybody going in and out of London Liverpool Street um, between Christmas Eve and the 3rd of January mm. won't be because... The station is going to be completely closed. We've got uh, uh, closures in the um, western half of so Victoria get, Station. So can you get back from Stansted then into London or not? Oh, you can, you could, but you're going to have to get off at um, Tottenham Hale and go from there. And if you, oh, good luck, if, if you're setting off um, from Norwich to London, well, good luck. You're going to go to a place called Ingatestone, a lovely Essex village. Right. There you will board a bus. You will oh. go to Newbury Park on the Hainault loop oh. of the um, central That's... line. And some days later, you will arrive in central London. <laughs> That's horrendous. Unbelievable. Listen, Simon, I wish we could talk for longer because it's very entertaining and informative. However, we're out of time. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to you again, though. And maybe you're right, and let's hope you are, about the strikes being settled. We shall look forward to hearing your verdict on that soon. Simon Calder, Travel Editor at The Independent. Uh, what an absolute shambles that whole Christmas period of travel is going to be. If you're going to try and get a train, um, it's almost like I'd have to say, don't bother unless old Mick Grinch manages to cancel the strike rather than cancelling Christmas. Coming up, we'll take your calls. Ricky's coming up. I was going to wait till you there. Uh, we've got some breaking news, though. Uh, Sajid Javid apparently is standing down before the next election. He says on Twitter, after much reflection, I've decided that I will not be standing again at the next general election. Serving as a Member of Parliament for Bromsgrove remains an incredible privilege, and I'll continue to support the government and the causes I believe in. OK, then. I wonder what those are. This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Coming up to tonight, a couple of big games, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, Brazil, and this afternoon, Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea, Portugal. England, of course, are playing on Sunday. Now, I wonder, and you can probably tell me if you're listening and watching us right now, uh, whether a bunch more England fans are going to head out to Doha, uh, to head out to Qatar to actually watch the game, even if you haven't got tickets, because you could go, of course, into one of those fan zones. I imagine it would be a pretty expensive proposition, because I'm told that you can't get a hotel room in Qatar for love nor money, and you'd probably end up having to stay in some kind of superannuated tent scenario. However, let's talk to Holly Hudson, who's Talk TV's reporter, live in Doha to find out what the England fans are up to uh, and whether you can join them. Holly, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Yes, it is very possible to still get out here from the UK to Qatar, uh, but it, of course, depends very much on your budget. 
Ticket-wise, there are tickets popping up last minute uh, over here, and match day tickets aren't really the biggest concern. You can get them for as cheap as £50 really? at the moment. What is more difficult, yes, the biggest hurdle, though, is the so-called hire card, the sort of permit, the visa to get into the country. That logistically takes a long time. Right. Uh, and, of course, accommodation. It's been limited here since the beginning because there's a huge surge in demand. Uh, Qatar is uh, a country of 3 million people, 1.2 million descending for the World Cup. So extremely limited however again very much depends on your budget and perhaps your stomach and your stamina because there is still availability at the fan villages those special fan villages that were built uh, for the world cup so if you've got 163 pound a night to spend turning a bit travel agent on you here you can go and stay in a tent in the desert or one of these so-called shipping containers as well but of course we've heard mixed reviews about those some fans say that they are okay that they are as expected i suppose Others have had to be put up in hotels because of the issues that they have faced. Now, there isn't just VIPs here, Mike. There are VVIPs. Right. So hospitality packages as well have seen record sales. So once again, if you've got cash to burn, you'll find it very easy here. But a lot of fans have been priced out of coming, not just because of the cost of living crisis, but because prices have been inflated here. Not just hotel stays, but food and drinks as well. The cheapest beer I've found, £9 for a pint but the fans I've spoken to here that I've found in in the pubs in the hotels seem pretty happy to spend that and pretty happy just to be here overall yeah and so what do they do I mean it's a long time between games now as we get into the sort of the latter stages and the knockout stages so I mean England fans will do I don't know what today and tomorrow because mostly I suppose traditionally at World Cups um, they'd be just going out and partying but I guess you can't really do that one at those prices and also two um, you know, you're not really allowed to get drunk. So, I mean, I saw Graham Souness the other day on Jeremy Carl's show saying how great it was um, not to be sort of shouted at by drunken fans everywhere he went. Um, so there's some people who are quite in favour of it. But, but, but what are they doing to kind of occupy their time? Well, look, Qatar is, of course, a Muslim country. It has strict controls on alcohol. As you say, it is a crime to drink and be drunk on the streets here. So there's not that sort of usual atmosphere, the usual scenes that we might see at a World Cup. And I've got to point out there's only a handful of England fans that have travelled, made the journey here than would normally. We'd normally have tens of thousands right. of travelling England fans. There's only 3,000 so far. And they're pretty scattered around the city, really. I mean, look, Qatari organisers and FIFA would point to the fact that they've put on a huge show here at a great expense billions of pounds have been all these new stadiums all these huge fan zones but from going to some of them Mike they do seem a bit deserted a lot of the England fans are holing up in those bars in those pubs that uh, licensed venues within hotels where they can sort of get beer free flowing uh, the Red Lion uh, and the Shamrock Brewskis these sorts of places are where you'll find most of them in between those stages watching the England games but as I said there's sort of a real positive uh, atmosphere here, uh, particularly among those fans. They don't really mind that they've got pub for pub. They feel that there is a lot to do outside of that. But they don't even mind, uh, Mike, not drinking in stadiums. Yeah. In fact, some of them have welcomed that. As you say, Graham Souness, because uh, speaking to British police yesterday, they said there hasn't been any trouble, any mm. handful of incidents, and not one supporter arrested so far, and they think there is a direct correlation. Yeah, I think it may be the way forward. Well, listen, enjoy the weekend, Holly. Thanks very much indeed. I'm sure we'll be busy um, all through the weekend here at Talk TV. Holly Hudson live in Doha there. Uh, the Big England game on Sunday night, of course, at 7 o'clock. You'll hear all that.
that at TalkSport uh, right here uh, within the TalkSport group and the Talk Radio and the Talk TV group. Let's take a couple of calls before we do anything else. Dave's in Hampshire. Hi, Dave. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, sir. What can I do for you? Yeah, Mr Chavid, yes. um, um, celebrating his, uh, his legacy of doing what he thinks is a good thing for the Conservative Party. I'll tell you what his legacy is. Yeah. It's sack, sacking 60,000 care workers because yes. they refuse to take the vaccine. Mm. So um, that's what his legacy is, and I think he's just like uh, a disgraceful individual. Yes, I've got a great text here, actually, a tweet from Chris, who says, the best response to the news that Sajid Javid is stepping down at the next election is, so what? Twice he's used that very phrase himself while having a pop at others, so it's only fair he has it quoted back to him in relation to his recent decision. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a very odd political career for Sajid Javid, and if he's, if he's flouncing off because he doesn't see any future in it, um, well, good riddance, really. Well, absolutely, good riddance, but I, I, I think he'll be first of many before um, yeah. the uh, election time comes. Absolutely right. Do you think they're heading for oblivion? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's, a, it's the writing's been on the wall for a while now, but, mm. uh, you know, um, I think it, we will hopefully have an opposition and reform party, Mike. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are hoping for that, but we'll see how that all goes. Richard Tice is very excited about the numbers of people joining, but it needs to be transferred into votes. Dave, thanks very much indeed. Uh, here's one from somebody who doesn't give a name. Mike, why don't the Red Wall MPs who are not going to stand at the next election defect to the Reform Party now? They could be heroes. Now, that's an interesting point as well, because if that were to happen, suddenly the Reform Party, albeit that I'm not really in favour of, of, uh, of politicians swoop switching parties without a by-election, that could put some serious pressure on the Conservatives, and you never know what might happen then, because we know one thing about the Tories is they'll always change their policies uh, if they seem to worry that they're going to be put into electoral oblivion. Let's talk to Julie, who's in Edinburgh. Hi, Julie. Hi, Mike. I want to talk to you about the Scottish Government's plans for the Gender Recognition Act. OK. Um, now, I'm speaking as a transgender person uh -huh. who's gone through the whole process. I'm right. full stop. Right. Um, I had my surgery 15, 16 years ago, uh -huh. 15 years ago. Um, I went through two years of counselling. I went through medical assessments, and I was, I was checked to make sure that what I was doing was the right move to make. And I think the idea of allowing people, and this is why I strongly disagree with the way the Scottish Government is going, mm. is the idea of letting people effectively, was it two weeks? Yes. Three weeks, a month. I can't remember exactly how long it is. Right. And you can then change everything yes. and use all the facilities. Now that to me is dangerous. Mm. It doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to be very considered, does it? Because what they're no. what they're actually doing is creating a situation unnecessarily for a kind of backlash against it. Oh yes, and the backlash is coming. Mm. Um, and I'm not getting into the rights and wrongs of the TERFs and all those types of people yeah. because they are entitled to their views. However, the, the argument that they are using by generating women-only spaces, for somebody like me who is post-op, I, I had somebody on Twitter say to me, well, you can't be raped. Mm. Now, I am actually... Um, I don't have any, forgive me for this, male genitalia. Right. However... I am now at a risk of being raped if I am forced to use male changing rooms. Mm. So I think there needs to be a lot more consideration around how this works and how people go through the process and an understanding... Why of would you be at risk through. of being raped in a male changing room, though? Because I have a, a, I have a, um, a, a vagina. Yeah, but so, people... Well, yeah, but, I mean, 
not normally because the place... I dress in, because I dress and act and live as a woman. No, but what I'm saying is, is that you wouldn't normally expect to walk into a changing room in a, in a shop and be raped. No. I mean, I think most women's no. objections to men who have transitioned being in their changing rooms is not that they're worried about being attacked, although some of them are, but it's yes. more about the fact that they don't particularly wish to undress in front of that individual. That's correct, and I do understand that, and that is, that is um, an understandable feeling for somebody who has not gone through the process. Yeah. No, I swear, that's I what I'm that, saying, but... I think, I think that's, the, that's where the nuance comes. In my, my view, the nuance comes where there is people who have not yet completed the process, who are pre-op, and there are people who are post-op. And I think that that's where the nuance needs to be understood. Now, um, so how would you if, work out the changing room scenario in your world? I, it goes against the grain to say this, and forgive me, it really does. But I think you almost need to have a transgender changing room. Yeah, I think that's a sensible uh, option. I, I mean, it's, it goes against the grain of saying it. Because then, it don't, then you don't have to worry about people who don't want you in their changing room, and you don't have to worry about you being in a changing I room you don't want to be yes. in. Right? And I agree with that, and I see that point. But there is not um, enough thought... And I agree with something you said a few minutes ago. There's not nearly enough thought going into this by the Scottish Government. And I think they need to come away from it. I mean, I have spoken to my local MSP... Mm. Um, who has taken it away and who is going to discuss this with the in the the debates they have in Parliament? But I think that we need to we need to have a, a lot more understanding that the transgender ninjas, who the people who I call who are wow transgender rights, we have to have our rights and uh -huh. everything like that. They're forgetting there are rights on the other side as mm. well. Yes, I and think we need so. To try and I think more understanding generally would be a good thing. Appreciate your call, Julie. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we've got more to do coming up uh, in the next hour. Craig McKinley is going to be here. He's going to talk about the ULEZ charge, which is being brought in by Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, which will soon be arriving in a doorstep near you because it won't just stop at London. Uh, they will bring all of these uh, expensive taxes onto every single city in every single part of this country, and that's a problem. This is Talk TV. I'm Mike Graham. Unrivaled talk, Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Yes, indeed, as predicted, once again, I'm afraid I was right, uh, the sun uh, has shone on London town. Uh, it started off gloomy, uh, it's now 12 o'clock and we've got sunshine. Uh, as ever, the view looks a lot better after two hours of listening to the Mike Graham Independent Republic because, of course, while we do make sure that we keep politicians in check, while we do ensure that we bring you all the news uh, that is fit to be told and fit to print as well, uh, we also bring you a little bit of light along with the shade, because at the end of the day, we all need a bit of cheering up in this day and age. Winter uh, is upon us. There is a bit of a strike fest going on, but we've done you an advent calendar, uh, which kind of cheers everybody up 
uh, when you open it to see who's on strike today. Today, it would appear to be some railway company in the Midlands. Uh, but we do have some good news on that front because it looks as though Mick Grinch is actually going to go and talk to Hugh Merriman, uh, who's the railways minister, to see if they can resolve the problem of the RMT strikes coming in uh, Christmas and after Christmas into the new year as well. So we'll remain optimistic on that front and let's hope, basically, that it all goes well. Also, England playing uh, on Sunday night against Senegal. You can hear that on Talk Sport, of course. Terry in Birmingham doesn't fancy it, though. He says, flights plus digs and tickets, they're £9 a pint. The cost of living crisis, yeah, right, sounds like it. Well, it certainly does. I wonder, though, apparently you can still get tickets for the game. So if you were flush and you were going to uh, try and get out to uh, Doha and try to get out to Qatar to watch the football, apparently there's a, there's a good chance that you might be able to get a ticket. The thing is, the trouble is, the ticket might be the least expensive thing you end up having to pay for, though, because you can get a ticket for about 50 quid. Pablo uh, the Hat says this, uh, the people of Chester have had enough of Tory failure. Uh, this is a quote, I think, from uh, the Labour Party. Yeah, we'll just have old Labour failure instead then. Thanks very much indeed. Let's talk to Craig McKinley, Conservative MP, Chair of the Net Zero Scrutiny Group of MPs, of course, as well. Craig, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Hello there, Mike. Thank you very much for joining us. We've got important stuff to talk about in terms of uh, the ULES uh, charge that's been put on by Sadiq Khan, a letter that's been written um, to the Telegraph with Boris Johnson's name on it and many others, I think, including yours. Um, what about, uh, though, last night, the, uh, the by-election? I mean, I don't put much stock by by-elections, to be honest, and, you know, you wouldn't expect the Tories to do terribly well in a Labour seat, but is there anything in there that you can, you can hang on to? Well, no, not really. It wasn't a great result for us. I, mean, I won't even play it up as anything but. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 41% turnout, much lower turnouts than, than what I call proper general elections. Uh, yeah, a, a disappointing result, not altogether surprising, but in a way a, a little bit um, of surprise in, in that is because the previous MP uh, left under something of a cloud mm. with a, um, you know, a sexually related uh, event. So that doesn't always play well with the local populace when an MP stands down under those circumstances. So the Labour vote holding up, yeah, it was uh, perhaps a little bigger than I thought. Uh, but I do look at mid-Staffordshire in 1990, a 21% swing uh, to Labour, and then we won the election in uh, 92. So, mm. yeah, they are, yeah, they're worth having a chat about, but I don't uh, hold too much stock by them. Yes, no, quite. And I think um, the resignation of Sajid Javid, also something to, to, to ask you about. I mean, he's apparently decided not to stand at the next election. Um, some think that's the beginning of, of, a, of a bit of a kind of a trend. A lot of Tory MPs who might know that they're not going to win their next uh, uh, election and probably just going to stand, step away or announce that they're going to step away before that happens. Yeah, well, yeah, I saw that this morning from Sajid. I don't, I haven't looked very closely at what his Boundary Commission potential changes are. Obviously, they're not in stone yet. Uh, they don't conclude properly until June next year. But we have to realise that where they are today is probably going to be difficult to shift them away from their uh, this second round of their thoughts about it. Mm. So I don't know what that means for him. But, you know, Sajid's had some very, very powerful positions at the, you know, the head of government for some time. And he's a young man. A uh, very able man and a very likable guy. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised that he's going. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do with himself. As I say, he's going to have to have a career outside of politics. Uh, but he's done very well. He's well respected. But, yes, I must say myself, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, because, as you probably know, Mike, all, all um, sitting MPs have been asked by uh, Conservative Central Office about their intentions uh, before, before the yes. 5th of December. Right. Uh, so I suppose, I mean, you could argue, is it a bit early? Whatever, I think it is a bit early in my view. Uh, but 
uh, I suppose they want to get uh, the opportunity for new candidates to be in place and and uh, get known in their communities. So you know that's that's probably what yeah. It's presumably, just in case there's a sudden state, a sudden change in the polling, and they suddenly go right, let's have an election because it looks like we're in a pretty good place. Uh, yeah, I, 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 if I, I wish I were as hopeful as you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, because, of course, the other guy that we haven't mentioned is Matt Hancock. His book serialisation starts uh, today, I think, in the mail uh, or tomorrow. And basically, he may not have the whip back in time, I, I believe, for him to say that he wants to stand. No, well, but... that's a, a bit of a strange dynamic, that one, yes. I don't quite know where it leaves, Matt. I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't something I'd have done, uh, go off to Australia. No. But uh, I suppose the paycheck wasn't bad. Um, but... Uh, yeah, what does it mean? Is he allowed to say that he wants to continue? Because you, you know what these things are like, Mike. Uh, give it a few months, and no doubt he would be given the whip back. Mm. It usually works like that. It's yes. a little, uh, uh, you know, you've got to go and stand in the naughty corner for a bit. Uh, but yes, I don't know where that leaves him. I haven't. I suppose he's back in the UK. He might be sort of recovering from some tropical disease. Mm. But I, I didn't see him this week. I must <laughs> no, quite. I think he's supposed to be back in Parliament very soon to discuss his dyslexia bill. Um, yeah. But we'll see how that all goes. Let's talk about Ulez though, because. Some strange things have been happening um, over the course of the last few days. I mean, Sadiq Khan pretty much going against the wishes of the London populace who were all asked if they wanted this ULEZ zone to be expanded. And for people who don't know quite what it is, it's about basically charging people money for having older, supposedly more polluting cars and adding a £12.50 charge to uh, your driving day, per day, uh, if you drive in that area. The, f the first part of, 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 of the question should be, I suppose, how on earth has he managed to expand the zone all the way outside of London, where it's affecting people basically who live near Orpington in Kent and Dartford uh, over in uh, Essex and, and, of course, up into sort of Hertfordshire as well? Well, I think what we've got here is classic uh, taxation without representation. I mean, how dare, how dare the Mayor of London levy a charge against Kent residents? Uh, that is not within his remit. And I think we, the figures you've said is that the, the whole consultation was a sham. 67% of people said no to this. 80% mm. of businesses said no to this. And lo and behold, he just carries on. Now... I would have thought, we, we've heard a lot about follow the science, remember that? Oh, Mike? yeah. Now, the science has been done by Imperial College. They looked at some of uh, the figures uh, with the uh, slight expansion of the ULEZ last October, and they found that the reduction in particulates was zero, the reduction in ozone was zero, mm. there was a very small reduction in NOx, um, nitrogen dioxide, of 3%. So... Uh, you know, the, these improvements are so marginally small, I'm wondering what on earth this is all about. Well, I do know what this is all about. This is to prop up a very failing transport for London and a very failing mayor. But I'm thinking more carefully about, say, the, you know, the older couple who live in Dartford or just on the edge or even actually within the, this new expanded zone. They've got an older car. They don't do many miles. Mm it would be absolutely wasteful for them to buy a new car, even if they could afford one, because they just you know, don't go out very often. It serves them well. It's the last car they're going to get. Right. £12.50 a day. I mean, my heavens. Yes. And think about the perhaps the care worker who lives in Dartford, has to travel into London, uh, doing out-of-hours work. And you know, there's lots of out-of-hours work. Uh, no, no public transport is yeah. available. 
There is no alternative. They don't want to buy a 30,000, 40,000 pound electric car. They've got an older vehicle, a pre, maybe a pre-2016 diesel. And if you recall, Mike, we're all told, you know, way back when, diesel's the way to go. This is the better route than petrol. And so we all did what we were dutifully told at the time. Perfectly good cars, years of worth of new service in them. Uh, and yet these people are being told, ah, you will be uh, levied £12.50. How on earth it can be right mm. for the Mayor of London to be levying a new tax on Kent residents is just, I, I think, beyond unconstitutional. Well, and, I was going to say, I mean, it, surely, surely it must be unconstitutional because I've been asked this question, I haven't been able to answer it, by some people who say, do the people who are affected by this even have a vote in, in the election of the Mayor of London because it's so far out? But this is what the uh, letter says that, uh, that you've uh, co-signed. The Mayor of London's decision to ignore London's objections and expand the ultra-low emission zone is undemocratic and a hammer blow to household budgets. And I've got a, a, a text here from somebody who doesn't, get, doesn't give a name. I live in Portsmouth but drive into Greater London twice a week. I'm a sole trader selling recycled clothes online. I drive a non-compliant van. I cannot afford to buy a compliant van, uh, which has to be newer than 2015. I will yeah. either have to sell my van and buy a newer car, which will impact my ability to work, or pay £100 a month to drive my current vehicle. Why is Khan imposing this extra cost at a time thousands can ill afford it? It's not like motorists don't pay enough already. My turnover is down over half in recent weeks uh, because of the rail strike. People don't want to buy something that might take weeks to arrive. This ULEZ may well be the final nail in the coffin for my business. I mean, that's a proper worry for an awful lot of people. Well, it is, even if, even if you are not subject to it yourself. If you're a householder getting you know, the plumbers in, the yeah. builders in and whatever else, they're going to have to levy that on your bill just to uh, pay the charge themselves. Now, the madness of all this, Mike, it came home to me some years ago when there was an expansion of the... Uh, the zone for commercial vehicles, as you said there, the 2015 and befores. The St. John's ambulance running typically older ambulances, serving charities and the fairs and all of that sort of thing that they do uh, so, um, you know, so well in a week in, week out, they were having to change their vehicles uh, just to comply mm. with this nonsense. I mean, come on, this is this is beyond uh, madness. But you know, at the end of the day, this is nothing to do with the environment. The the science proves that it has got virtually no no great impact. This is all about collecting money for a failing London mayor. Uh, and I think people should realise vote Labour, and this is the type yeah. of nonsense you're likely to see. Well, also, you know when Leonardo DiCaprio starts praising Sadiq Khan that you're in a bad place. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio has come out and said that he uh, thinks that this is a brilliant new scheme by the London mayor uh, because it will save the planet. This is the same guy, by the way, who flew over to the Cannes Film Festival, and when he was asked how he got there, uh, he justified it by saying he flew commercial because he yeah. thought that that was better than coming in a private jet. I mean, you know, these people are literally out of their own minds, aren't they? Well, how very good of him. I'm sure he can afford to buy a brand new <laughs> Tesla when he comes to London. But I'm more worried about the care worker, uh, the hospitality worker, yeah. the transport worker who has to travel out of hours from places like Orpington or, mm. or even Dartford uh, that can only run to an old vehicle that is perfectly good and has served them well. I'm just looking at the Orpington situation because I think that's very relevant. Yes. You know, it is as leafy, if not more leafy, 
than parts of my constituency in East Kent of, of South Thanet. Yeah. So how on earth there's going to be you know, vast improvements to air quality in such a, a leafy part of outer London, uh, frankly, uh, is beyond me. And you know, the other parts of the scheme, there's 110 million, thank you very much, as a scrappage scheme so that you can buy a or get some help towards a a spanky new vehicle that you never really wanted in the first place yes number one what, what a waste of carbon to actually scrap a perfectly good car and buy a new one i mean that that, that in itself is yes. a nonsense and i understand that the cost of the new cameras in the enforcement system so that you know lovely fines can be levied and, and coming through your letterbox is actually going to cost more than 110 million of scrappage scheme I mean, yeah uh, the, the, the TfL formula has failed. He's having to put up fares, apparently, over the next three years by 1.7 billion, which could mean 40% rise in fares. And there'll be this uh, new remittance from all of these fines and uh, a greater ULEZ. Uh, put all that together. Yep, this is what you get when you vote for people like Sadiq Khan. I think it's a, a very stark warning about uh, what is around the corner. But this is all adds to what we see too much of, Mike. It's greenwash. It's nonsense. Right. It's actually probably creates more CO2, uh, building the new cars and all the rest of it, uh, than where we are uh, as um, you know, a, a settled place that everybody's happy with. And is there no chance that uh, it can be overruled by the government in terms of, you're supposed to be bringing it in, I think, in August of next year. I mean, is there a possibility that that could happen? Well, I'm sure colleagues in that outer London fringe are looking at this. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure the reserve powers do exist to government to do pretty much as it pleases on these things. Uh, but this was one of those uh, uh, one of those things that went to London mayors, Birmingham mayors, um, and Manchester mayors. They're all they're all sort of playing with these schemes. A lot of these people and the Cambridge scheme is completely crackpot. Where you know they're going to divide the, the city into a number of zones, and thou dare not go into the wrong zone. No. Uh, so we're seeing lots of these things. Uh, I would have hoped that London uh, that the government will be looking at this. Mm and saying, no, you're not going to get away with this because, frankly, Kent residents, they can't vote you out. Why on earth should they pay your charge? Yes, because you know what will happen next. Andy Burnham will try it on up in uh, Manchester. He's already been rebuffed once, but uh, he won't give up because they love a bit of local tax. Indeed, they do. Craig, thanks very much indeed. Craig McKinley, MP, uh, chair of the Net Zero Scrutiny Group of MPs and one of the co-signers of a letter also signed by Boris Johnson, which is significant, really, because Boris is, as you know, a bit green uh, when it comes to these matters. But they've said this is outrageous, it's undemocratic, it's too expensive, it will put people out of business, it really is awful, and it should not be allowed to go ahead. It's that simple. We'll take some calls coming next right here on Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 